Hi, I'm Mark Kent. And I'm Jacob Pusey. And you're listening to the Art and Science of Running podcast. If you climb the sea. very fortunate in this episode to get to talk to Dr. Benno Nigg at the University of Calgary. Now Benno is probably one of the leading uh, pioneering researchers into running biomechanics for the last say 20, 30, even 40 years and we were very fortunate to be able to go to his office at the Human Performance Lab at the university and get to speak to him there. Uh, This podcast is about an hour long and during the conversation, as you'll hear, we have um, a bit of a chat around Benno's background, how he got into studying running biomechanics, and then some of his insights, some of his experience since he's been at the university and founded the department there in terms of working with different brands, different innovations, but also some of his ideas around injuries and injury prevention. Um, but with that said, Let's uh, dive into the conversation and hear from Benno himself. I'm interested to know like, how, because your, your background was not this conventional background, and you came from a different area of study into biomechanics, I'm right, I think. When, if we go way back to when you were younger, what did you envisage yourself doing when you were older? When you were a teenager at school, you're originally from, from Switzerland? Yeah. yeah. When you were a teenager growing up in Switzerland, did you think of studying running? Did you think of studying biomechanics? Or did you know what you wanted to do? Not at all. As a matter of fact, I studied physics because I had an I, high IQ okay. result. And at that time, people that had a high IQ were suggested to study physics. And I went into physics and uh, finished with a specialization in nuclear physics. Yeah. With more specialized in reactor physics. And when I finished my studies, the only thing I knew was that I didn't want to do reactor physics. Okay. <laughs> I thought that reactor physics is a dead end, which as a matter of fact was true. Right. Not, not, nothing big happened between when I studied and now in reactor physics. Yeah. And uh, so I after finishing my studies, I started to teach in a, in a high school, okay. mathematics and physics. At that point, you had a, a PhD at that point? No, a master's. A master's, yeah. And uh, then about five, six years down the road, I was approached by the professor of biomechanics from the ETH in Zurich, okay. who knew me from my sport activities, whether I would be interested in getting into biomechanics. And I asked him, what is biomechanics? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't, never heard that before. And, and he said, you know, it's basically a mixture between your love for sports and your training as a physicist. Okay. Perfect, perfect combination. <laughs> so I, thought that was interesting and I went there and did a PhD as well. I was an old guy already when I did my PhD. So they didn't make you go back to do uh, undergraduate or master's again? They they allowed you to go straight forward to the PhD, yeah. 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 That's the advantage of studying physics because physics is so broad that you can go into many different areas. Right, yeah. I did my PhD when I was 37. Yeah. <laughs> Most people have already half their career done. And Do you think it helped because you'd had the university then working experience and then back? Were you no. better? No. 
and uh, that, that's that's how how I got into. Yeah, and you you mentioned your sport background, and I read something. A journalist wrote something that you were uh, sprinting when yeah. you were younger. Was that a school or university or uh, how was that? Yeah, you know, in Switzerland, sport is differently organized. It's in clubs. Ah, okay. Community clubs and stuff like that. Oh, okay. So in Zurich, we have maybe a dozen track and field clubs. Okay. And uh, then you may start for your university, which I did. Yeah. However, that is not something that is important. That is something on the side. Right. But that professor knew me from my activities in in different university teams. I was in the university teams in handball, I was in, in oh yeah. Track and field and soccer and basketball. I mean so I was in many teams. So you had an understanding of you had your own understanding of the of the body, your body and and movement and, and that kind of thing. So yeah, understanding is exaggerated. Okay. I experienced it. Okay. Interesting. One of the things um, I'm curious about is, um, were you always somebody when you were younger at school, were you always the child in the class who would always ask the questions? Were you always somebody asking questions to, curious questions to want answers? Was no. That was, no. Okay. I was heavily involved in sports. Right. I broke every school record that there was to be broken. So. Well. Uh, yeah. that, that was my life, you know. Yeah. And as a matter of fact, initially I wanted to become a phys ed teacher. Really? Okay, yeah. And then my father thought that that's not a good idea. Okay. And brought me <laughs> to that professional counselor. Okay. And uh, he made these tests and then the suggestion was I should study physics. When you studied physics, did you find, did you find it easy, straightforward, or was it a, a tough challenge to study at university? Yeah, I mean, it was, physics is not easy. Yeah. <laughs> it was a, a challenge. I mean, it cost a lot of work and time and yeah. Yeah, yeah. So then when you went into the new area, you went into uh, biomechanics study, uh, was running the first sport you focused on or did you look at other sports as well? Oh, we did a lot of different things. We we did skiing, ski jumping. You know, we, at that time, the International Ski Federation needed new norms for the ski jumping hills because technology created new suits and whatever. Okay, yeah. And we, we helped them to, to get the norms for the new jumping hills. Uh, yeah. We were involved in in different things, so running was just one of the... Okay, yeah. So when you first came into biomechanics, you didn't really care too much what the, what the sport yeah, was? Yeah, you know, the interesting thing was that that professor that brought me into biomechanics didn't have a clue about biomechanics. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> he was much more a, a philosopher. Okay. Very interesting. You know, I learned a lot from him, but uh, mm-hmm. not, not with respect to biomechanics, but with respect to thinking about movement. And right. So it was uh, a good person. Okay. And uh, so I, I was there and I had that group of people, about five people. And they were playing around a little bit, but I said, you know, what, what, what is biomechanics really okay. able to do? And uh, then, then we decided, let's start with a lot of little experiments. Okay. So yeah. we did many experiments and one experiment we went, at that time we had just new accelerometers. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And we went skiing with them. Just to see. What to data? see what, what, what happened, you know, yeah. they didn't know. And we had an accelerometer on the head, we had one on the hip and one on the tibia. Yeah. Was there a, was there a hypothesis at all? Or was it no, just no, we just, just played around a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I, I think we were much more when you play around. Yeah. And, you know, we saw accelerations that were 100 times cheese, cheese. Yeah. 
Okay, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. huge. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, so we started thinking about what does that mean and what could it mean and, and stuff like that. Okay, yeah. Has that always always been part of your style to always um, explore with no boundaries? And, and I think no... I think the hypothesis-driven research is in many cases a, a roadblock. Right. I think because it's a thinking. It doesn't doesn't open to thinking, and I think just just try something and be crazy, mm-hmm. and then you will see much more than when you say it has to be like that. Yeah, I was reading, I was listening to something really interesting today. A lady um, called Caroline Leaf. I don't know if you've ever heard of her name, but she's a very famous uh, neuroscientist, and um, she was talking about the idea that she reads many academic papers and has to review them whatever and um, uh, most of the papers that she reviews she's very disappointed because uh, there's a there's something set out to prove in the study and then you read the paper and it's just conclusions that say that support or don't support the original idea and uh, often she says like when she's reading the paper that the people doing the study haven't realized what they have. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It's very yes. clear, yeah. It's yeah, yeah. Very much like that. Yeah, and she's reading the paper and thinking, but what you found is actually this over here. Yeah. But you're too busy writing the conclusions for the original <laughs> premise of the study. That's right. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I in, publicly in, in conferences, I am known as the guy that is not supporting hypothesis-driven research. Right. Because, you know, the hypothesis-driven research is you close all doors mm-hmm. and open one that may be a possible answer. Right, yeah. The I call it shotgun approach. You know, you, mm-hmm. you just shoot in one direction, but yeah. I don't mean a huge direction. Yep. And and then you may hit something. And, yeah. and then you say, <laughs> wow, I hit something. What is that? And then you can start thinking about it. Right, yeah. Yeah, interesting. Do you, um, in in all the years that you've you've studied this area, biomechanics, have you looked into other? Have you have you self studied other areas to learn from other areas to bring into biomechanics? Yeah, you know, biomechanics is not really a one area. Biomechanics is a mixture of many different things, and you have to have exercise physiology to to understand biomechanics, and you have right. to. I mean. So, so you naturally, you have, you have to, to. You have to. Okay. Yeah. As a matter of fact, you know this this institute here, this mm-hmm. research center. Yeah. That's my research center. I started from zero. Right. Yeah. And when I was asked to come here to develop something like that, I said I want to develop something that is multidisciplinary. Right. So in this building, we are about two hundred people. Yeah. We have medical doctors, we have motor control people, we have biomechanists, engineers, mathematicians, physicists, we have exercise physiologists, biochemists. Wow. I mean, you name it. (laughs) It's it's a whole group. And if I want to know something, I go to the next door and say, hey, tell me, what do you think about that? That's the whole concept of that center. Yeah, you cannot think in 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 a one-dimensional like space. Linear. You have to open up. Yeah. So, going back, to, which year was it that you first opened the lab here? You I came in eighty-one. This lab was opened in eighty-seven. Eighty-seven. Yeah. And then about ninety-five or ninety-seven or something like that. End of the century, we added. More oh, okay, because yeah. at the beginning it was only to that level here. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. And when you first started out, like 87, 88, um, it was you, but how many other people uh, joined you initially? In 81, I came in and it was zero. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, me and... Uh, yeah, <laughs> and your thoughts and ideas. You can do. <laughs> and 80... Three or four, we started to make plans for the new lab. Okay, yeah. 
because the funding was here for from the for the Olympics. Ah, okay, and around that the time. Into that. And uh, we started to make plans, and I had at that time about twenty people. Yeah, yeah. But I made plans for about fifty people. Yeah, yeah. So I had to invent wow. names <laughs> to fill the offices, <laughs> and of course, in eight, 1987, we were already 50 people, so it was wow. full. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And how many people today do you think, uh, roughly? Around 200. 200, yeah. When you first started out in 87, did your vision include 200 people in the future? No, I think 200 is too big. Okay. But it's, uh, you know, it's a, a space problem at university. Right, okay. You would rather have a group. I mean, the Hutterites split when they reach 150, I think it is. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. from a social point of view, there's somewhere around 150 or something like that. It's where you don't identify with the group anymore. Right, okay. Yeah. So I think that it would be better to have maybe a second lab uh-huh. over there. Right, a different community almost. Uh, maybe there's psychosocial group or yeah now we have we have even psychologists in that group right i was going to talk to you about that in a second actually because i i sent you an email i mentioned something about psychology and um i'll come back to it in a second um, i'm interested what brought you to canada actually what was the story that brought you here i was in zurich and i was the director of the department of Biomechanics, uh, right? Yeah, it was a group of about twenty-five people or so. Right, and uh, then they, Calgary, approached me and said, "Would you be interested in coming to Calgary?" Mm-hmm. And uh, we analyzed the situation in Zurich and saw that the next twenty years, not not lots, is going to happen. So yeah. we kind of are interested in looking at this possibility and uh, they, you know, I asked them, what do you want to be, what do you want to have? And they said, yeah, I want to be world class. Okay. No doubt they were 100%. And, uh, you know, it was not only that they said that, they, they did. Right. Yeah. They acted to it. So mm-hmm. they brought me over and uh, I, I never looked back. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. A lot of people will will have probably read. I was talking to well, part of my job. I, I, um, I'm, I'm on the practical side of assessing how runners move, and uh, particularly using technology as well. And uh, part of my job, I travel around North America to physio clinics and sport training centers and places like this um, to help them uh, refine their process that they use to assess runners, whether it's indoors or outside or what have you. And uh, I've spoken to a number of people, mainly podiatrists, who have said they've read a lot, of, a lot around your, your papers and your work. Um, so there's an association between uh, the research you've done and certainly the foot-ankle part of the, the body. Uh, how did you end up going down that road of, of studying that part of the body? Um, yeah, I mean, you, you know, what we did in that first attempt to just try to find out what biomechanics is, we also studied running and walking, and uh, then we published that. And soon after we published that, Adidas came by, the, the, the BP research from Adidas, and said, we want to work wow. with you. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we, I was working at that time with an orthopedic surgeon from Basel, and we basically did a lot of groundbreaking work, you know, at that time, nobody knew mm-hmm. what to look for. And then you talk about the Achilles tendon angle, which you yeah. know now, right? That is our, our baby, mm-hmm. yeah. the old, the classification of the, the foot, and right? Yeah, lower yeah. leg. Yeah, uh, is basically our baby. Yeah, so we started to do that. And, and then Adidas came and said, we want to know more. Yeah, and funded that. Right. So it's it just kind of a logical thing. And then the podiatry orthotist community came and said, you want to hear what you do? Right. 
and yeah. then kind of developed the whole thing. So it sort of, sort of grew itself in a way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I I never ever asked the company that I want to do research with them. They always came. Always. Yeah. Even now, I mean. It sounds like you were the right person in the right place at the right time, studying the right things yeah. that people wanted to know. Yeah. 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 That's interesting. And then, I mean, with uh, Adidas, other companies, I mean, still today here in the departments, Adidas is still working with the department. Yeah, I had a contract with Adidas for 42 years. Wow. <laughs> Was any other, were any other shoe companies also looking into research or were Adidas the main? No, no, we, we have, we work now with Dr. Joel. Yeah. We work with Mizuno, we work with Salomon, we work with... Right, yeah. I mean, you know, we have the philosophy, we don't do exclusive work. Okay. But we do exclusive work on a topic. Right, okay. Yeah. So if uh, if the, the topic is, for instance, uh, muscle tuning. Right, yeah. Then we only work with one company on muscle tuning. Okay. Okay. Not with five. Right. Okay. So the other, you say to the other company, yeah, we will work with you. You, you, you got to come up with a new, you, you got to come up with a different uh, area that you're interested in. Yeah. You know, and, and the, the advantage I tell them is because I work in so many different topics, my view of the whole con complex question mm -hmm. is, is much broader. Right. Than if you just work. Right. In one direction. So if somebody asks you a challenging question, you won't always answer with a with a biomechanics hat on. You may answer with a different, uh, completely different perspective. And yeah. 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 Interesting. Um, as a scientist myself, uh, having studied applied physics, I, I worked as an applied scientist in some different industries after university. Um, I I always had the philosophy that there's this, there's the hard science, but there's also an art to it and an art to how you apply it. Um, and some, a lot of stuff that we can't explain that classical physics can't, it has a limitation. <laughs> and there are some things out there that maybe we won't know for another 20, 30, 50 years that we don't know today. Um, do, you, do you, have you always thought of it as both an art and, as, and, and hard science? Yeah, and intuition is one of the most important things. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, you know, when you look at scientists, I mean, about 95% or more are technicians. Right. Okay. They do something that somebody else has done, but they do it a little bit more accurate, mm -hmm. a little bit faster, a little bit whatever, but it's the same question. Yeah. And uh, they get results and don't see what is in the results, most of them. Yeah. I mean... We, we just, I mean, the current VP research from Nike, mm -hmm. Matthew Nurse. Matt Nurse, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, when he studied here, he studied in principle motor control type of questions. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he had results and we presented that result at a competition for a prize, which was about $20,000 or something like that. Okay, yeah. And he won the prize. Yeah. <laughs> and another group did exactly the same project. So right. Real question, competition, head-to-head -head competition. <laughs> but they didn't see the results. Right. Interesting. <laughs> they didn't see it. They didn't see the story behind the whole thing. And yeah. So, you know, if you take the shoe company, Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you know the Anshu. The new, it's from Switzerland actually, I think. Yeah. Originally, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. I mean, that company, for instance, they contacted me long before they had a product. Right. About the concept. And uh, they were interested in having a story. Right, okay. So that they can say, this is the idea, mm -hmm. and this is what it could do. Right. And what is the story of the Anshu? The point is that you have local deformation. 
Right. You know, if you have a normal shoe and you land like that, mm -hmm. the whole midsole deforms. Right. Okay, yeah. Yeah. While yeah. this shoe, you have elements that are local. Right. By separating out, separating out all the different parts. There are the these little clouds, they call them, that right. they put on. Yep. Yeah. And they want to have a story, or MBT, for instance, the shoe, the... Right, which you were working on. Yeah, I yep. mean, the, you know, he came here and he said, this is my shoe. Yeah. What do you think about it? And I said, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you look at it. And I said, it's ugly. <laughs> and and then, then he said, yeah, but you know, I mean, it, it works. Yeah. So we started working with that shoe and, and came up with the story, what it did. Yeah. Okay. The yeah. strengthening of the ankle joint. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was the story. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. uh, you, you know, you, you cannot get that if you just do an uh, experiment with the hypothesis. Mm -hmm. You cannot say the hypothesis strengthens right. the ankle joint. I mean, yeah. So if you see something, you have to be prepared to divert into a new way of thinking and then go, go look in that way. Be open to see what you really see. Yeah. And interpret that. Yeah, yeah, I understand. Okay, yeah. And um, you must have seen some sh crazy ideas as well over the years. You must have been presented with some really Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All these inventors. <laughs> Was there anything that you were presented with and you thought, that's that's never going to work, but then it, late, but then you, you changed your mind later on? Can you remember no, anything like that? I don't think so, no. No. If it, so if it, if it, the things that I thought would work did not work, but the opposite. <laughs> but the things that you thought that would work and didn't work, um, did you, was, you, you found, you sort of understood afterwards the reason why, I guess? And, it was a marketing question. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. It wasn't technical. It wasn't no, sort of physical. Mean, we had a shoe that returned energy and the energy that it returned was about 6%. Okay. Well, that's good. Well, yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> yeah. now it was a more a walking shoe than a running shoe. Mm -hmm. I mean, they thought it could be used for running too, but I, I they thought it was primarily a walking shoe. But you know, for military, for instance, right? Yeah, that could be a perfect application. Yeah, but yeah. somehow they did not achieve the. Okay, so somewhere the idea was good, but somewhere in the execution it went wrong. The, 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 the prototypes were reasonable. Okay. It was just that the wrong people had the idea and they didn't have right. the right approach to the, these companies. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm interested to get your your sort of honest uh, feedback on this. Um, obviously, we know like with shoe design, there's a lot of money involved. There's a lot of competition between the companies. Um, and they almost have to, companies almost have to redesign a shoe just so it looks fresh for, for the consumer. Um, what do you think about if like if we look at like the last 10, 15 years, for example, do you think that shoe running shoe design has really moved on that much? Because there's a lot of aesthetic changes, um, some gimmicks as well. Overall, do you think do you see it as having really moved forward? Or is it more just minor changes but not really moving forward that much? I think there were some changes, especially with material, the boost material, for instance. That yeah, was, a, yeah. was a clear improvement. And uh, I mean, so uh, there seems to be something that is some that is a step forward compared to EVA or, or polyurethane. Uh -huh. Yeah, I yeah. think that that has. But for instance, from point of view of shape. Yeah. They kind of fluctuate around. Yeah. Bulky, minimal, bulky, minimal. <laughs> and it's, it's about a, an eight year yeah. uh, periodicity that, that right. they come with a new one. <laughs> so you, you sort of expect in the future it will just, we'll have repeats of, the, of some of these trends again. Oh, yeah. Back yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you know, I mean, functionally, a bulky shoe should not have to do anything with running. Right. Okay, yeah. There's no reason to have a bulky shoe. Right. Mainly because of the weight gain that you're adding to the runner or to... The, the weight is more than the levers. Okay, making the lever less efficient, less... Uh... The, the levers are, are bigger. You move more or mm -hmm. 
yeah. But but they you know they you could go every three years in a company the designer have changed and uh, they have never learned anything like that in school and right <laughs> yeah yeah is there is there anything out there right now that impresses you if if you look if you were walking into a running store right right now tomorrow um, is there, is there anything out there that a company's doing that's that's impressing you right now you know i i am usually not a, knowledgeable what is in the running stores now. Oh, okay. The things that we have here are about five years down the road. Right, okay. So yeah. the things you work on uh-huh. are things that don't exist at the moment in the moment. Right, pure so prototype. If I go out, I have been in the running shoe store for yeah for years. <laughs> yeah. Because it, it's that's not what we do. Right, yeah. We don't see new ideas and then we do something. We create the new ideas. I'm interested, just kind of like touching on that. Um, I'm, I'm kind of in, curious to get your opinion because to me, it seems like technology now is moving forward so fast. And most of it, most of it comes from China and, and, and they're moving forward fast that you can almost do your own study, collect your own data and learn like really fast now with really, really cutting edge technology. And I'm wondering how that affects university, because in university, we know there's like a there's a length of time right, to get hold of things, to then do the study, to then write the study up and the peer reviewed journals and everything else, get the information out. I wonder, do you think that the pace of technology change is is having an effect on university and how things are done? Like, oh, I mean, we have groups that do nothing else than variable sensors. Right. Yeah. And, uh, Lots yeah. of money in, in that. I think it's a fad. Really? Okay. Yeah. You don't see if you don't see a future. You uh, know, the reason for that is people don't know how to interpret the data. Right. Okay. So you get amplitudes of something. As yeah. a matter of fact, the acceleration is probably the the best information that you get. Right. Just pure acceleration values. Yeah. But. Yeah. Yeah, because you know, from acceleration, you can kind of go back to position, and mm-hmm. I mean, you can integrate acceleration and things like that. If yeah. you know the initial conditions, you know, right. don't know them. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I mean, the problem is that it's a little bit like with the heart sensors, right? Heart frequency sensors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, people buy them. Right. Yeah. They use them for two, three weeks, and then they. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> put them into the yeah the cupboard. It seems like a good idea when they first start. <laughs> and you know, in in order to have sensors that give you some real value, you have to have sensors that measure something right that is relevant. Let me give mm-hmm. you an example. Sure. Yeah. I mean, if you run a marathon, if you cycle a long distance run, yeah, you should. She be just around an anaerobic threshold. Right, okay, yeah, 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 like a lactate threshold area, yeah. Little bit below, but, but very little below. Yeah, yeah. So you should know that. Yeah. And you should know where you are. Give me a sensor that does that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so in marathon, I mean, mm. what does the sensor tell you that that measures an angle or an angle of velocity or. Right. What does the sensor tell you? Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. In terms of um, the topic of injury prevention, rather than performance, but injury prevention, do you see any more use there? Uh, or? You know, I was just yeah. just approached by a company, Bose. Bose. Oh, okay, the uh, the guys that make the headphones. Yeah. They want to get into that business. Really? Okay. And I told them, you know, we don't <laughs> even know why people are injured. Yeah. How can we then tell them to change something that they are less injured? Yeah. I don't know what they do now, but, but you know, the the problem with all these variable technology is, yeah. give me a piece of information mm-hmm. that allows me to be better. Right. Health-wise, yeah. performance-wise, yeah. whatever. Yeah. And as long as we don't have that, I yeah. think it's a fad. 
Yeah. And as a matter of fact, you know, now you go around all the biomechanics lab in the world. Yep. I don't think there's one lab that doesn't have variable sensors. Right. The IMUs. IMUs, yeah, yeah, yeah. They all yeah. have them. Yeah. And they are problems over problems. You know, they are, first of all, they are not accurate. And uh, secondly, they give you something that you don't need. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah. I think it's a fad. I think in 10 years from now, mm -hmm. those labs that have achieved the possibility to measure something and interpret it mm -hmm. that is relevant yeah. will be the ones that have won. Right. But there will be only one or two. Right. Who will, who will get to that point. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting, sir. I don't work in a clinic as such. I work with clinics. But a lot of what I do four or five days a week is, is, is as much coaching as anything. And it's working face to face with runners. Some local runners and then up to some people who are world elite level as well. And of course, what you say is absolutely right, which is I can show the runners some data, but they need an intervention. They need to know the action. <laughs> yeah. what, what, do, what do I do now? What do I do the next week, the next two weeks yeah. to reduce injury risk or to run faster? The data is fine, but what's the action? That, you know, I uh, mean, there is one, one application that will come uh -huh. and you're working with somebody on that. That is the rehabilitation, right? Support of rehabilitation. Let's say you have a hip surgery. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. You want to get back to normal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What does normal mean? Right. Normal means symmetrical, mm -hmm. left and right. Yeah. You don't want to go like that. You know? Yeah. You so, so for example, like ground reaction force would be the same left or right, or or acceleration or whatever. Yeah. I mean, the question how you do that, that's a different question. Yeah. But you can do that. You can basically recreate the symmetric case. Mm -hmm. And by doing that, you can give somebody something that they put on the hip or whatever, or yeah. on the left and the right shoe, or something, a small sensor. Mm -hmm. And they give feedback and say, you are limping mm -hmm. longer on the left than on the right. Mm -hmm. Push more with the right leg. Okay. Yeah. yeah and yeah. that is something that yeah. solves the problem. And then you can compare, you can test, retest, retest, and then compare. You get that automatically. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's too much. A little bit less. Mm -hmm. You can do that very quickly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then eventually they're going to come back to some quote unquote normal baseline uh, eventually. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, that that's an example where you know exactly what the outcome has to be. Mm -hmm. You know how you can assess it and you know you can inter how you can interpret that assessment and give feedback. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. But all the other things, you don't know. Yeah, yeah. So this kind of gets me on the topic of injury prevention because it's, it's quite... Uh, it, it, it's quite popular, almost, it's a little bit fashionable now that people talk about injury prevention. Um, and, it uh, is fashion. Yeah, it is, right? it is. Yeah, people hear about it and then more people want to join and more people want to join. But you know, yeah. you know the literature. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Give me one paper that shows conclusively <laughs> yeah. that something yeah. some, is, some biomechanical parameter Yep. is responsible for injuries. Give me one. Yeah, I was really hoping you would say that. Because it's, I 100% I agree. And um, it's it's really good to hear you say that. Um, it, it, you mentioned before about the idea in the, um, amongst the 200 people here in, in, in the laboratory area, you've also got some people um, who are looking at, looking from a perspective of psychology and what's happening here between between the ears. Um, I've probably measured with my own hands, I've done about 2,500 or so gait and biomechanical analyses. And, um, the one, then I also keep in touch with the people. And I see what happens afterwards. When I look at, uh, a lot of the, the data and the feedback, the biggest factor I, I've seen over the last few years, dominating above everything else is psychological. And every week when I look at people who are getting injured 
the biggest factor is de- is actually decision making, <laughs> is actually how they make decisions. Like if we go dial back to a root cause, it comes back to more often than not poor decision making. I mean, some people have anatomical things or biomechanical things or congenital stuff, but most people out there in in the real world, running on the streets of Calgary today, I've seen in my uh, in, in my study in my time, it comes back to. Uh, how they mentally, how they approach the training. So when people are overtraining, when people are you know, just making poor decisions around the running, and I'm interested is that is that studied? Is that looked at at all in in the, in the department here? Do you know? Uh, no, we don't, and uh, I am a little bit skeptical. Okay. About that, let me give you an example. Yeah. I I work sometimes with the top athletes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one, it's about now 15 years or so, uh, the top 5,000 meter runner from Switzerland called me and said, Okay. I have a problem. Yeah. <laughs> I cannot run anymore. I have Achilles tendon problems. Yeah. And it hurts so much. It's yeah. my last season, and I thought I have a good chance to do well in the European Championship. Yeah. Can you help me? And uh, by accident, I was traveling to Switzerland, and so I said, let's meet. Yeah. And uh, I looked at him, and I came to the conclusion that his muscles around the ankle joint were really weak. Right, okay, yeah. So I gave him a program to train those muscles, and he was a professional athlete, so I said about two hours a day. He has the time, yeah. (laughs) Just do these and these and these and these things. Statically, dynamically, isometrically, I mean, Mm -hmm. didn't matter. Mm -hmm. Just really. Three weeks later, he writes to me, I'm training 100% again, everything is gone. Right. Did that surprise you, how fast it was? No, no. no. I told him that. Yeah, yeah. The problem will be solved. If I'm right, Yeah. in my assessment, the problem will be solved in three weeks. Yeah. And uh, he, he came up fourth in the European Championship. And it was only forward because he was tactically stupid. He would have, could have been right. better. Yeah. So problem solved. Mm-hmm. So the, the point is, you know, what you typically don't have, that is somebody that understands what's going on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you go to a podiatrist. What does the podiatrist give you when you have Achilles tendon problems? Right. I'm going to say <laughs> probably some foot exercises, maybe. I don't know. No? They want to sell something. Oh, okay. Orthotics. Okay, yeah. And, yeah. and you know, if you think about orthotics, mm. what is yeah. the problem that this person has? Right. Yeah. Well, the person probably has an internal uh, uh, problem, yeah, in terms of muscle... Uh, Muscle use, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. most likely he has an asymmetric loading of the Achilles tendon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And most likely that asymmetric loading starts to get information and, mm-hmm. and then you have the whole. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, I make exercises. I made when I still was teaching exercises for my students that they can calculate that and that they can assess that. And they. So. Yeah. If you don't understand the mechanics mm-hmm. or the biomechanics, mm-hmm. then how can you give a good advice? Mm-hmm. Sure. And the biomechanics is not mm-hmm. angle X and, and, and velocity Y. Right. It's the functional understanding of how mm-hmm. things work. Yeah. And I guess the fact that one thing is connected to another and it's a bigger system as well. Yeah. 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 Because one of the things I've, I've sort of thought about is when it comes to the people that can have the most influence on runners, 
getting less injured, less likely to get injured. Um, I kind of just observationally just noted that um, really good running coaches, if they're well-educated, smart running coaches, can have quite a big influence on whether a runner gets injured or not. Um, like you say, through understanding um, the biomechanics of running and functional movement, but then also understanding the athlete a little bit themselves as well as an individual person. And then also sort of knowing obviously how to prescribe the training properly and everything else. Would you agree with that? Would you agree that a really, really... Yeah, but it's very blurred what you say now. Right. There's a lot of things in there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm surprised how many coaches look at a runner and look at the hip angles and look at the knee angles and look at the position of the foot and whatever. Yeah. And how few mm-hmm. ever look at the strength of the muscles crossing the ankle joint. Right. Okay. Yeah. 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 And it is like building an, a skyscraper. Yeah. And basically putting some stuff on the, in the <laughs> middle of the skyscraper and high up on the skyscraper that it may become more stable mm-hmm. and not looking at the bottom. Absolutely. And it has become quite popular recently, I think in the last few years, for people to really talk a lot about the hip hinge area and it's become very popularized very kind of like i I mean just think Mm -hmm. if i walk so i do a step the right foot forwards Mm -hmm. and now i go with the left foot forwards Mm -hmm. what does my trunk do the trunk rotates inwardly right yep and i land with an inward rotational Mm -hmm. trunk on my left foot, and the left foot lands, and what does the, the tibia do? When you land in the tibia, wants to do a little internal rotation with the... Which is just the opposite direction but than what we have on the hip. Right, yes, yeah. yeah. That's opposite. Yeah, yeah. That, that means somewhere in between you have to have some give. Right, potentially the knee joint, or maybe... Somewhere. Somewhere, yeah. yeah. And then say that... that that wrong direction rotation is the reason for all the different things. Mm-hmm. So we're at like 50 minutes. I don't want to take too much more of your time. Well, I've really enjoyed talking to me. Um, I'm wondering, uh, can I ask how, how old you are? Like what, <laughs> where you are age-wise? Uh, Stone old. <laughs> how long do you think you're you're going to stay here with uh like physically here in, in the department as long as i have fun really yeah yeah you know yeah. i have a fantastic solution my, this is my son out here. i thought as i thought so i didn't yeah. want to say in case i was wrong but i thought it was yeah, yeah. he's my yeah. son he studied psychology oh yeah he okay. worked in the adidas research department for six or seven years in southern germany and no, no in uh, uh, portland oh in portland oregon yeah 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 and uh, then once he came back and was in marketing research and stuff like that and and um, then he said you know the, the thing that would interest me most would be work, working what you do okay yeah so he's basically has taken over now the whole operation yeah i mean it's just I'm his employee I, have to do. <laughs> I don't believe that <laughs> <laughs> no, I've, I mean, he has taken everything. He, he makes the contracts yeah. with the industry. And we have now about a dozen people mm-hmm. that work on contracts with the industry. Yeah. So it's quite an operation. That is, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I mean, you know, very, very different type of things. Yeah. And in addition to that, half of the projects that we do are projects that are independent of industry. Right, okay, yeah. yeah. We just now have a result. Well, you, you you must be surprised okay. when you hear the result. Okay. <laughs> we have measured pronation mm-hmm. with all the 71 variables that have been suggested in the literature. Right, wow. Yeah. We put that into a computer program called principal component analysis. Right, yeah, yeah. Uh, which allows us to determine independent variable sets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The first 
biggest independent variable sets were midfoot parameters. Right. Exclusively midfoot parameters. Okay. Yeah. The second were ankle joint parameters. Uh huh. Yeah. The two are two different principal components, therefore, they are independent of each other. Right. Which means that the midfoot parameters and the ankle joint parameters mm -hmm. are independent of each other. Right. Yeah. Can you imagine that? Yeah. So it's not just a case of if we if something happens here, this changes the same. It's now two. And different. you know what? <laughs> the rear foot angle mm -hmm. yeah. didn't appear at all. Right. Okay. So it's not significant. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you you have to be prepared for any result to come out of the data, right? You have to. <laughs> yeah, but you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's fascinating because mm -hmm. if that is true, mm. then you have some people that pronate in the rear foot, right, and do not pronate in the midfoot. Yes. That means the midfoot doesn't do this one. It does mm -hmm. maybe do this one. It can do its own thing. Yeah. Yeah. And these people need different shoes. Right. Okay. Yeah. So it opens the door for a whole new segmentation. Right. Yeah. 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 This and is something recent. You've, 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 uh, yeah, we did that internal project. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And Interesting. you asked me about my age. How old am I? Yeah. What do you think? <laughs> I would say I'm going to guess, uh, I would, I would say I have to be conservative because I have to be careful not to offend you. So I have to say early 70s, I would say. Uh, just past 80. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> it must be something in your family genetics. <laughs> no, I, I, it seems that I'm a, a late bloomer. Right. Yeah. And I enjoy every day that I come in. So wow. why, why stop that? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If you don't feel any... Uh, physical limitation or anything, then yeah, yeah. I mean, last year, four companies approached us, uh -huh. approached me personally. One was Bose, yeah. One was Gore, okay. Gore-Tex. Oh yeah, Gore-Tex. Yeah. They are. They have a, a company in Germany that does nothing else than invent new things. Right. Yeah, they, I go again uh, in a month to them. Yeah, and wow. They have a, a very interesting project. One was Dr. Scholl. Yeah. Dr. Scholl said, uh, you may have heard about the preferred movement path paradigm. Uh, heard about it. I'm not, a, not an expert, but... I so they know. came and said, we want to have an insole based on the concept of that. Right, paradigm okay. of the preferred movement path. Okay, yeah. And uh, the fourth one was Mizuno. Mm -hmm. In all cases, it's basically trying to do something completely new. Right, sure. Break new ground. Yeah. 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 And, and, uh, and I can be involved with that. Yeah. I mean, why not come to work every day? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's brilliant. It's, it's fun. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's really, yeah. I, I now I understand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, one final uh, question I want to ask um, for for people for people that might listen to this in in the future, and they're going to be people who are maybe in their twenties or uh, maybe thirties, and they're 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 looking forward to their careers, like going forward, and they're somehow related to running or somehow related to biomechanics in the body. Um, do you have any one or two pieces of advice, like from your career, um, do you have any one or two pieces of advice um, uh, as, a, as someone who's taught students, someone who's learned so much like, in, t in terms of helping people with their careers going forward? To run better? More, not so much for the runners, but for the practitioners. I think the most important part that you should look at is the ankle joint. And especially, you know, you have the ankle joint, you have the, the calf muscle. Yeah. The triceps sura. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You have the TBI's anterior. That's, these are the two big muscles. Right. Front and then you have about nine small muscles. Right. Yeah. And 
if these small muscles are strong, mm-hmm. you have A, less injuries, mm-hmm. and B, a better performance. Right, right. And they affect everything upstairs. Mm-hmm. I think that's what I would advise anybody who wants to coach or mm-hmm. train people yeah. that they should do. And a lot of exercises for the ankle joint. Mm-hmm. And yeah. as a matter of fact, this is not only for athletes, this is for the whole population. If you take a, a, an elderly person, yeah, if they have strong ankle joints, they can go on their mobile much better than anybody else. And in terms of people, um, pe- uh, practitioners, professionals out there working with runners, who want to just learn more, learn more and, and just develop. Um, I know for me, I really enjoy, um, I really enjoy just doing self-study and, and just, like you say, not almost like experimenting with runners and almost just doing personal study each week, you know, just collecting data on people and just seeing what the data says. Is that something that you would, uh, um, that you would, you would agree with, like for people out there, it's like empirical learning, uh, like hands-on? That's, that's, that's good. I would ask you a question. I mean, if you collect all these data, why not embed those data in a bigger study? Right. Why yeah. not talk with a group like ours? Yeah. And say, you know, can we do together a study? I collect the data, you do the data analysis because you know that much better than I do. Yeah. And uh, you you can input information yeah. and that, that could be a, a great thing, yeah. Yeah. I think we should have another chat <laughs> after. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah. But um, okay. Cool. Yeah. It's uh, it's good. Uh, food for thought. Definitely. Yeah. You know. Yeah. The problem is, in in these days, we can have so many data. Yeah. And the analysis of the data is something which needs this skill. Right. Let yeah. me give you the example of the, the pronation study. Mm-hmm. In principle, we did the pronation study at the beginning. The idea was to, to start and analyze how much static variables can predict the dynamic situation in running. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. If I measure uh, rear foot angle, mm-hmm. does that tell me something about pronation or not? Right, yeah, yeah. That, that was the question. Yeah. So we had 40 subjects, we measured all these different things that were in the computer, and then we did an analysis, and we do, you do an analysis and you measure the correlations and you see that you have a lot of correlations here and not very much correlations there, you, you can answer the question. Mm-hmm. But then you can say, you can go a step further and say, is there, are there some group of variables that predict something? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they do a principal yeah. component analysis. Yeah, yeah, because you know that nothing ever acts only on its own. That's right. Yeah. And we got the answer, the beautiful answer, that there are two independent groups, yeah. the midfoot and the ankle joint. Yeah. Yeah. We wouldn't have gotten that if we wouldn't have done that special analysis. Mm-hmm. And then you ask the next questions, say, can we predict something like that? And then you do a neural network mm-hmm. and you see that the neural network can predict these things by about 85%. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So 85% of the time, it's giving you the, it the, is right, the right answer. answer. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you know, you do an analysis based on the questions, and the questions can get broader and broader and, and more comprehensive. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I like that idea, and I think it's one of the things that, um, when I read some background on you, I really, really liked, because there's a fundamental, in your background, and hopefully a little bit mine as well, there's, there's a fundamental understanding of, like the science and how to collect data and analyze data before diving into like the complexities of biomechanics. And you know, that's the advantage of a physicist. Right, yeah. Because we learn these things and the, the, the training as a physicist is broad. Yeah. You don't just do mechanics, you do mechanics and thermodynamics and, and I mean, yeah. the whole, whole kaboom. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, so it, it is broad. And we, we had all the new methodologies. When I studied, which were in the infancy at that time, we learned them through the mathematical methodologies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And now, I mean, I have another colleague, a physicist in my group. He, he plays the organ on the, those methodologies. <laughs> statistical, uh, complex statistical analysis. I mean, just yeah. imagine that you, you measure something, you, you measure EMG and uh, kinematics and kinetics, and I don't know what, and you put everything that you measured for one step into one vector. Right. In a 120,000 dimensional space. Right. Or whatever it is. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's unbelievable that you can do that. Right. Yeah. And then you can get everything that you have measured mm-hmm. as an input, and yeah. the analysis will tell you here is something. Right. That's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's, of course, I mean, if you have the people that, that are, have the background. Yes. Yeah. Then, yeah. then you can do that. Very interesting. That's about, that's about an hour, so I don't want to take up uh, too much of your time. <laughs> that's fine. I have time. <laughs> I was just, uh, this, this is now kind of me, uh, sort of side thing. But uh, yeah, I was reading something, because really, I'm really interested in, in kind of neuropsychology, because the brain is the master controller of everything in the body, sort of. That's, that being, that's the premise, right? <laughs> like, and um, yeah, somebody was saying something, I, I heard someone, somebody well known saying, um, about the idea of so the, the original with, with basic classical physics and what people knew before and, and neuroscience the idea was the brain was kind of this physical thing neurons electricity and um, everything we kind of do voluntary through conscious thought like I'm gonna change my running gait for example because the coach just told me to do something different right is uh, before it was all thought of that was kind of electrical activity, electromagnetic activity created the conscious thought to do that stuff. And it's really interesting because I was, uh, that got challenged recently, um, but no one knows what it actually is that creates consciousness in the brain. But I liked, I liked the idea that scientists challenged it because they actually measured how fa- what's the fastest, the uh, fastest rate at which a process could happen if the brain was just electrical activity and that was it electromagnetics and it was I don't know what it was um, 10 to the 5 or something or whatever it was like speed wise and when they actually measured um, uh, as close as they could using you know um, functional magnetic resonance and, uh, and other stuff like how fast things were actually getting processed in the brain it was like 10 to the 27 or something and I like really enjoyed that like I think I, I heard it this morning the the way in which uh, really smart scientists were just were not just going with the model, but they were saying, "Hang on a second, like we, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> if, if if a person can make a thought, a conscious thought in this time, but the model model we have today uh, is very simple. Model says this much speed. It can't. That can't be the model. <laughs> like, it can't just be electromagnetic activity that creates conscious thought that makes us move our leg forward, and." Um, that, that really got me thinking this morning about about good science. You know, there's, there's another aspect to that. That is, you have signals that go from the muscle up to the brain and signals that go from the brain up down to the muscle. Right, afferent signals, afferent signals, yeah. And the question is, which one is first? Right, <laughs> yes. We did yes. some we did some measurement on that. We, we did some studies right. yeah. during cycling. Uh-huh, yeah. And... Uh, there is, it's really interesting, you know, yeah. some of the things that you think, you know, change cadence, for instance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah. speed up, yeah. Yeah. speed up, yeah. That, that you, where the signal from the muscles comes before the signal from the brain comes. Right, although the external, it must have been an external cue first to, to tell the person. Yeah. So then they're told the signal, they're told the, the instruction. Yeah, but you would think he would go down from the brain first to the muscle and yeah. say, do something different and then... Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's, it's not, not that <laughs> yeah. simple, but it's, it's <laughs> highly interesting. Yeah. With just the, the final, final thing, your, uh, your parents, 
did they have anything to do with sport at all? Did they have any background in sport? No idea. Oh, you don't know? No, 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 no. They had. Oh, they had no, no idea. idea. Oh, okay. Yeah. No. So you took your own path in life. Uh, yeah. Different path then. Yeah. yeah. No. But I, I mean, for me, this my life. The whole high school part was basically sports, sports, sports. Yeah. 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 You had a lot of energy when you. You must have had a lot of uh, <laughs> natural energy when you were younger. Yeah, and, and successful. I mean, I was in basically every school team that existed. I was in the ice hockey team. I was in the soccer team, in the track and field team, in, in the basketball team, in the wow. handball team. I mean, <laughs> you name it. Wherever you could have a com- competition, I was part yeah. of it. So you like competition and the sport as well, both of them? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So hopefully you enjoyed that podcast session with Ben O'Nig. Uh, just a quick reminder that uh, if you are interested in any information around this kind of subject of running biomechanics injury prevention, uh, we do have various articles, case studies, etc. up on the website. You can find them at runphysics.com. But hopefully we'll, uh, we'll have you back for the next installment in the podcast series and uh, further installments after that.